Hello and welcome to Who Books That with Harrison Greenbaum. I'm your host, Harrison Greenbaum. Thank you so much for tuning in. This show is, as always, presented by the International Brotherhood of Magicians. They've been doing incredible things all throughout quarantine. Uh, and uh, they're just an awesome organization. So if you are not a member yet, or you'd like to renew your membership, just go to magician.org slash join dash the dash IBM slash join to sign up for the IBM. And also if you are a young magician, uh, very soon next week, Lance Burden is having his teen seminar. This is the first time it's being done virtually. All you have to do is go to magician.org. That's IBM's website slash convention slash Lance dash Burden dash teen seminar with a dash between the teen and the seminar. If you're listening to this in podcast form, um, that is the website to sign up for free for Lance Burton's Teen Seminar. A lot of amazing magicians have come out of that program. If you'd like to hear more about that program, there's a Lance Burton episode of Who Books That? So make sure you check that out at whobookstat.com. And after July 7th and 8th, the week following, July 13th through 17th, is Tannen's Magic Camp. If you are a magician between ages 10 and 20 and you would like to experience Magic Camp for free, online. It's going to be incredible. Um, there is a, a whole host of uh, incredible magicians who are participating in that, including our guest who is in the video on TannensMagicCamp.com. So make sure uh, you check that out and sign up. It's free. If you're a kid and you love magic, um, this is a great opportunity to learn. And uh, as always, this show is every Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're on the East Coast, 4 p.m. If you're on the West Coast, it's also available as a podcast. Uh, through Apple Music. Just go to iTunes or you go to whobooksthat.com, click on the link. For some reason, this show is in the top 50 in Germany. I don't know if they feel bad for what they did to my grandparents, um, but uh, they love the show now. So there you go. We're top 50 in performing arts in Germany. We're in the top 100 in Canada and we're in the top 200 in the United States and the UK. So thank you so much. And a lot of that is due to you guys um, responding so well to the podcast, leaving five-star reviews, which helps. So thank you for doing that. Please keep doing that. And if you'd like to follow me on social media at Harrison Comedy, there's gonna be a lot more behind the scenes and uh, interesting content related to these episodes available through my Instagram and Twitter. So go to at Harrison Comedy uh, and uh, check out all that stuff right there. But it is time to introduce our first guest. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for tuning in, by the way. Bill Hoagland, the longtime watcher, saying, yeah. Ian Kent, another longtime watcher, saying, hello, Harrison. And James saying, it's me again, ha, 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 which I think is the typed out version of an evil laugh. Uh, but thank you guys so much for, laugh, uh, for laughing and for joining. Um, and if you have any questions that you would like our guests to answer, um, please put those in the comments. I can see them in real time, and uh, I will try to get as many of those uh, on air as possible. So let's get to our guest. Uh, he is an incredible performer. Uh, he is somebody who has uh, an incredibly wide appeal. If you're a sports fan, you might, might know him as a, a Philadelphia Eagle or as a, as a uh, football player. If you're a, a mom who watches Ellen, you might know him as a regular on the Ellen show. If you're a kid or you're a big fan of uh, primetime shows in the summer, you might remember him as a finalist on America's Got Talent, as well as uh, somebody who appeared on America's Got Talent, the champions. Um, and if you're a magician, you definitely know John because John has been performing since he was a kid. He's an incredible magician, an incredible athlete, an incredible motivational speaker, and just an incredible all-around person. I am very excited to have him on the show, so make some noise. Get excited from your apartment or home. It's John Derenbos, everybody. How you doing? Hey, rock on, man. Thanks for having me. This is super, super cool. Thank you. Oh, I'm glad. I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt your tropical vacation. I see all the trees behind you. Uh, <coughs> <excuse> me. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, excuse me. And uh, uh, you know what's funny is to, to flub that one uh, in front of a magician. You guys are probably going to comment my technique was bad, but it, it doesn't matter. Hey, this is the deal. We're all stuck at home, right? So I do a ton of virtual presentations. 
And I finally realized that my wife and I were happiest between the palms. So I'm like, if I'm going to sit in front of the camera, you know where I'm going to be? Between the palms, baby. So we kind of made this little virtual little area. And, and now I just feel good about myself. You know what I mean? I like it. It's very tropical. I have I have just one sad plant in the corner. It's managed to stay alive for 23 episodes. And uh, the streak might be over soon. They look a little wilty. So I like the idea of stickers. I think you don't have to water stickers. Well, no, no, those are real. Oh, my bad. Yeah, yeah those are actually uh, full-blown. They're mini palms. So we, we have a we have a you know a medium golden doodle. They just take the king palm and the baby palm, they breed them, and they pop those bad boys out. So Yeah, like the Hawaiian a great job. bonsai tree. And they really appreciate it when you just kind of, you know, just pet them, you know. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Vinny Giordano from Las Vegas already saying, yay, he's in the house. Uh, I know you know Vinny. Um, one of the things that people always joke about magicians, and one of the reasons I think I'm probably a magician is that I was terrible at sports. Um, yet you are somehow both an incredible athlete and an incredible magician. So uh, why do you think it is that uh, magicians are generally not the most athletic? And how did you break that rule? You know, this is a, wow. So I've, I've actually never been asked that question. That's actually a really good question. Uh, you know what? I, I think our childhood, it kind of it kind of molds us on who we are. And so I was an athletic kid who kind of discovered magic and tragedy, and I was about 12, 13 years old. And so believe it or not, it, it created two outlets. And so what happened is if I put the football pads on during the day, I can hit you. And I'll never forget my buddy, my freshman year in high school said, hey, John, you should play football. And I'm like, no way, dude, football's for dorks. I like magic. And he was like, <laughs> hey, hey. And, then, and then he says, no way, man, but you can hit that guy and not get in trouble. And I just remember going, well, that sounds pretty cool. And so during the day, I would go hit people and not get in trouble. And it was like a natural outlet of aggression, right? It was a way for me to deal with some emotion that I've been going through as a kid. And then I got into magic because in a time where I had to grow up really fast, I found that in the moment in magic, I didn't think about anything else in the outside world. If I was sitting down shuffling cards, the whole outside world disappeared. And it was the one time I was just a kid. So I had this balance at an age where I was becoming a man on get aggression out, not get in trouble. And find yourself through cards and, and and reflect on yourself at night and they just complement each other. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about that because you have uh well, there's two things we could talk about. One is I don't know, do you know the uh do you know about Passover and the and the Dianu song? The there's a song called Passover. Oh no, there's a song called Dianu that we sing every Passover and we go die, die. Oh. The reason it's applicable is it, it's it's Hebrew for it would have been enough, and it's basically a song where you know, if, if God had just done this, that would have been enough. It's very dewy because they're like, no, 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 it's fine. We know you did all this stuff, but we, we don't want to be greedy. And in reading about your life, any one of the, the tragedies or setbacks that you had, I think would have been enough for one person. And you've had many and, and, and uh, conquered that uh, adversity. Um, so one of the things was the, the tragedy that happened when you were a kid. Um, but a lot of people now are dealing with this quarantine and this pandemic. As somebody who has gone through so much and come out of uh, out of it uh, in such an amazing way, what would be your advice uh, to those people? So everything I've been through in my life, you have a choice on how you talk to yourself. You have a choice on how you perceive the situation. And, and happiness is a decision. It's not an emotion. It's a decision that we make every day. And so for me, when something really bad happens, I tell myself this. One, I ain't alone. Right. So I'm not the only person that's ever experienced this. And two, I can make a decision to either live in vision or I can live in circumstance. And within that, the decision that we make in that moment is the decision of is this happening to me or is this happening for me? So no matter how bad life gets, I always tell myself, live in vision, not in circumstance. And this is happening for me. It's not happening to me. 
And so what happens is all of a sudden I'm, I'm able to not look at, it, at life with excuses. I'm able to not look at it as if I'm the victim all the time. And now, cause, cause what I've learned is this, is that sometimes the, okay, so I, I'm going to bounce around here, but uh, I was offered potentially a job of a lifetime and it was literally my dream job. I would have retired from the NFL in that exact moment. I got it. And long story short, I didn't get it. And I went back to playing football. And so what happens is when I go back to playing football, I end up getting diagnosed with a condition that had I not been playing would have never been found and I'd probably be dead by now. Right. And so uh, a friend of mine came up and said, Hey, I, I know that one of your favorite songs is unanswered prayers by Garth Brooks. And it's this idea that sometimes what we think we want so much, sometimes the thing that we think is, is our, our destiny and this is what it is. Well, maybe it's not right. Maybe the path to get there was going to steer you off in a different direction. And if we can allow ourselves to see that light, if we can allow ourselves to see that there is opportunity elsewhere and it, it's better for us and that it didn't happen to me, it happened for me. Now we can see the bright side. And for me, I was going to be on the, the road six of these eight weeks of the quarantine. And it was probably going to be the best six weeks of my life, right? Professionally. Uh, but what happened is it all got shut down. It all got canceled. And so guess what? I got to hear my daughter's first words. I got to see her first steps and, and a daughter that's now one years old. I spend every waking moment with her and you got to find the joy in the moment because the moment will pass. So find the joy in the moment and grab that. Yeah, and let's. I think we should. We can go through because you had such an incredible journey. We can start going through it. Um, you're you're 12. Your your father murders your mother, so you basically lose both parents. And then there's a really touching moment where you talk about magic saving your life in in, in that time. And you say real magic is being made to care, being taken to a place where everything else in your life fades away, and you're invested in this story unfolding before you. Think about it. I was a scared, worried 13 year old. Now is given something to be joy joyous about. So can you take us a little bit through that moment where obviously something dark that I, most people I don't think I've ever faced a moment that dark and yeah. you're using magic uh, in this case to, to find a way out. Yeah. So when I was 12 years old, I, I came home and now I lived in a cookie cutter family. My mom volunteered at the library. My dad was, was my best friend. And now think about this. My dad was my best friend. So that's my family there. When I was seven, we went to Hawaii. Now my dad, I wanted to be just like him, right? We played catch every day and he was teaching me how to change the will. And at 12 years old, I was now old enough to kind of hang out with him and he was showing me the ropes. My mom volunteered at school, and I'm not going to say I had a learning disability, but uh, reading comprehension for me is extremely difficult. And so uh, back in the day when you would have to read magic books, when I was a kid, I would actually sit there and read magic books. One, I'm left-handed, so every book you have to swap right and left. It's so hard, right? Um, but my mom created a reading program in the elementary school that made reading a little bit more visual, and it was a, it was a different way of learning. And what happened is the cool people liked my mom, and so the cool people liked me. And I kind of just, my mom kind of showed me that you can be different and you can struggle, but you can still have a purpose and you can still contribute. You just got to find your niche. And so when this whole thing happened, you know, the, the man that was supposed to show me love, the man that was supposed to show me trust and groom me as a man on how to treat people, betrayed my family with the utmost act in, in murdering my mom. And uh, I went home, uh, he turned himself in, uh, he was sentenced to 13, uh, thir uh, 13 years for second degree murder. And then my sister and I stayed in a temporary foster home for about eight months. And then my aunt ended up uh, adopting my sister and I. And it was in that transition that Michael Groves, right? I'm 12 years old. So that's my aunt there in the middle. That's my mom's sister. That's me at about 12, 13. And then my sister over there. And that's when my aunt first brought us in. And, uh, and in, that, in that period there, I saw a magician named Michael Groves. And uh, it was the first time I ever saw a trick. It was the coolest thing in the world. 
And now here's what's crazy is sometimes I'm, we don't I'm realize. For just one second, only because yeah. most magicians don't have a video of the moment yeah. they first saw magic for the first time. But I do have a, a little video clip of you watching Michael Gross performing. Uh, so I'm going to just cue that up yeah. so people can see it. Because uh, I think it's pretty special that you have that moment encapsulated forever. Um, so here is uh, the first time John ever saw magic. Not only that, but this is my first trick I ever saw. And so think about this. Back then, we didn't have iPhones. This is 1992. And so uh, I was staying with a baseball coach at the time. So he set up the tripod, set up the big camera, put the VHS tape in, and recorded that moment and gave it to me, not knowing how life would unfold. So, um, But in that moment, I realized, without realizing at the time, that the, the whole world disappeared. And, and what's really cool is when I first got into magic, I was obsessed with the intricacies of the moves. I was obsessed with with wanting to get good at something. I was obsessed with the repetition of doing something over and over and over and wanting to get good. And when I first got into magic, I, I didn't really want to perform for anybody. I didn't care. I just wanted to worry about getting good. And I and I, I was doing it for myself because I wanted to struggle and find that I can do it, overcome all the obstacles and then master this move. And so if you think about it, I didn't really do a trick for literally for a long time, right? And then all of a sudden I did a trick at a friend's house like two years later and the first things I learned were, you know, oh, there it is. Yeah, I'm practicing in, in, a, in a, my grandparents' RV and uh, still not really doing tricks, just learning moves. Imagine if you were 13, 14 years old and your friend's like, hey, my buddy plays the guitar. And he sits down and he starts jamming like Stevie Ray, Eric Clapton, like Jimi Hendrix. You're going to be like, whoa, first of all, I didn't know you played. Second of all, this is ridiculous. So I think <laughs> the, ex the expectations of a, of a 13-year-old doing a card trick is three rows of seven, count out 11. Boom. Hey, thank you. Well, I was busting out all the big dogs, right? The, the Bill Malone's, the Apollo Robbins, the people that I really like, Ken Sands, uh, all these people that I loved, even you know a lot of Darwin Ortiz's stuff. And I was just working on it. So my coming out party was kind of like, okay, hold on. First of all, we didn't know you do card tricks. Second of all, this is a little bit more than just three rows of seven. Like this is like, <laughs> it's very, a real very, like this is like, I want to say it's awkward, John. This is actually really awkward <laughs> at how good you are at cards, you know, which was cool. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I, I you, you mentioned it being a distraction, but one of my, my favorite magic books is uh, Art of Astonishment, classic, oh, if yeah. you guys don't have it. Uh, and one of the things that he does at the very beginning of the book is he talks about magic. He describes it as uh, the, the actual act of astonishment is they experience the clear primal state of mind that they associate with a child's state of mind. Uh, and with the idea being that astonishment, you actually get to go back to your childhood. And do you think maybe that in a weird in a weird way, because your your childhood innocence was taken from you, that going back to magic was a way to open the door to the innocence that you might have lost otherwise? Uh, dude, first of all, I've never articulated it that well. I'm gonna watch this recording and probably steal that from you because that this was is my Oprah moment. I'm very excited. Hey, uh, well, it, dude, honestly, that like you just spoke to my my soul. Like that was beautiful, and and that is the truth. Like it 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 allowed me to go back to a place that I probably never had been. And I had to grow up really quick and I had to become the man of the family. And, you know, you sit through your dad's trial and, and, you know, you see your mom's autopsy photos and you do this stuff that people think are like, whoa, and you're doing it at 12 years old and comprehending it and feeling this emotion and trying to discover yourself. Magic was the place to go back that I probably missed out on. And, and it's what kept me grounded. It's what kept me appreciative. It's what kept me soulful. It's what kept me believing. Like magic kept me believing that there's something better in this world for me. Yeah, and we have pictures of uh, there's Ooh. some fiber going on there. Okay, I believe okay. First, first, hold on, hold on, stop, stop. Yeah. First of all, I'm going to interrupt <laughs> you because here's why. 
for those of us magicians that are in 30s and 40 years old, when David Copperfield was the man, there is not one person that did not want to do the Kevin James floating roast. Not one. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, this was great. This was an eighth grade graduation. It was really one of the first. It was actually this might have been the first time I ever got on a stage. And I, I'll never forget, man, I did this. And no offense, I killed it. But the crowd was just dead quiet. Right. And there's a <laughs> lot of people. It was the whole school and their parents. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I screwed this up. And then they just went nuts. Uh, and I, 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 again, I, I don't think people expected that out of a 13 year old. But to this day, it's one of the most proud awards I've ever won in my entire life. I won a $25 gift card to Suit Plantation, and it was amazing. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to get to keep that name. Um, but <laughs> well, it, well, actually, they they went out of business. They oh, closed, there you they go. Closed their doors. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but well, I think, yeah. And because uh, I, I remember when I was in high school, we were doing Damn Yankees, and uh, the director of the show said, "Ooh, if you can put some kind of fire effect into the show, that would be really cool for the devil to have like a fire thing." And I bought this whole hookup and in rehearsal, I almost lit myself on fire. I heard uh, you practicing the fire oh, yeah. that also caused a little bit of an issue. Yeah. So my aunt says, hey, look, this is a fire trick. It's a lot of respect. Now, here's what's really cool. Now, my aunt, again, my mom's sister that, that took my sister and I in. How, how cool is this? Never once did she say, hmm, maybe we should not play magic and maybe you should work on being a doctor or a lawyer or like something cool. Instead, I got constant positivity. I got constant reinforcement. I got encouraged, right? That right there, like for those that have kids, allow them to discover themselves, allow them to be who they are. And that was powerful. So here's the deal. All right, we'll get this trick. I get it. I know the dangers involved. You can't do this unless I'm home. Yeah, 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 sure. So what happens? She leaves. So what do I do? I start lighting fire in the, in the, in the living room. You have a pile of flash paper. It's not going to light itself. Oh, yeah. No. So um, clearly I have magic and it's floating and then it, it lights. Well, it was a little low to the ground and it, it literally singed a hole in the carpet about this big. Like I'm talking the carpet went from like this light tan white color to just black charcoal. And I was like, oh, so she came home. I felt bad. I choked. I said, Chrissy, my sister was painting. She must have spilled paint. And then I felt bad because I lied, not smart. And I went back downstairs. I said, I lit the carpet on fire. And she goes, clearly, like I'm not born yesterday. Like that's not paint. That's charcoal. Right. And here's what's cool. She said, you're grounded. And um, I know you love spending time in your room alone practicing magic. So you're grounded and you have to hang out with me and we're going to go to a movie. So, cause I was like, what? I want to go to my room. I want to go to my room. Right. <laughs> and then, and then this is what she did. So I got a mom and I got a cool aunt and she goes, look, I have to punish you cause I have to be your mom now. But if it were me, this is what I would have done. And she took tweezers and pulled up each piece of carpet and cut off the cinch piece. And we literally gave the carpet a haircut and you couldn't even tell. So she's like, Next that's time, magic on its own. <laughs> yeah. So I, I kind of got both sides. So it was, it was yeah. So don't light your living room carpet on fire. And you talked about her being a maternal figure. Uh, you also had like a father figure in your first mentor. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel talks about uh, having champions. That it takes three champions to have a successful career. Uh, and your first champion, uh, according to your book, is Ken Sands, who was your magic mentor. Tell me a little bit about uh, how that how that comes about at that that time. Yeah. And I hope there's people listening that know Ken uh, lives in Orange County, California. And he was at the time he was dating. That's him right there. And uh, at the time he was dating one of my aunt's friends or actually this, oh, I, this is even worse. This makes it more awkward. He was the ex. He was the magician ex-boyfriend of one of my aunt's best friends. Right. And so basically my aunt Susan said, Hey, can you call him? And I got my nephew and here's what's going on. And like, can he show him something? Well, Ken had gone through a divorce and was going through his own stuff. And he said, I'd love to. 
And I'm going to tell you what I'm most appreciative of Ken at the time. He owns a magic store in Orange County, California called Magic Galore and More. Um, I think what I'm most appreciative of was his ability to not really teach. The, the trick doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Like George Carlin said, they're not going to remember what you said. They're not going to remember what you did. They're going to remember the way you made them feel. So use magic as a tool to connect to an audience. And whatever it is, you can get a standing ovation if they care and if you're vulnerable and they know who you are. So though he taught me tricks, just hanging out with him made me realize you got to find your own path. And, and if magic is the end all be all, you're going to get this. But if they, if they have a reason to believe, if they have a reason to reflect in their own life, if they have a purpose to be there, you can take a coin and make that coin disappear and you'll get a stand ovation. Yeah. I mean, I have, a, I have a lecture called you are all terrible. And one of my main points is if you're, if your character on stage is magician who does magic tricks, you don't have a character. They need to know who you are and you have to rip open yourself. Uh, something that actually has happened to you, spoiler alert. Um, but you're fig figuratively rip open yourself and show your heart. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but uh, I think, I think the Ken Sands story is interesting, but I would like to hear another opinion. So I'm going to introduce everybody to Ken Sands. Come no. on. John, <laughs> come What's on, up, man. Dude, let doing? me tell you something. I just reached out to this guy today and just said, and, and it had nothing to do with you. And I said, Ken, I said, Ken, it's been too long. And I just, did I not? I just say, I just want to tell you, I love you, man. And I'm so thankful for everything that you've influenced me as a human, as an individual. And I'm just so appreciative. And this world's a better place because of you. So uh, you got to be kidding me, man. What's up, buddy? I can't believe that you and I talked today and I didn't want to mention the show or anything like that. So I just, I just played it cool. I'm not going to say anything, man. So, this is so man. cool. I love, uh, I I love this man. I got to tell you this story about John. When he graduated from high school, he's, he wants to do, he wants to float a girl, a levitation. And I go, how are you going to do that, man? He goes, well, I want to float her, but I want to put her on the back of a truck, like a big flatbed truck. <laughs> I go, you can't do that, John. It's not going to work, man. He goes, no, I got a way to do it. So he rigs up this like S-bar thing and he's got the whole board and the cloth. It looks really like, you know, just beautiful illusion. And he gets that girl and she's floating, man. And he's got the, the you know, the gimmick covered and he's there doing the thing. Go, oh, man, this is killer. And so we hop on the truck. And remember, John, you we drove the streets, it was, remember? No, it was it was for a parade. So it was it, for it was, a parade. It, it was for this parade. And uh, I think I was a freshman in high school and it was for like the varsity homecoming parade. And we had this classic truck and, and my That's uncle had it. And so now it hits the track on the outside of the football field. And now the truck's going like this, right? Like it's driving yeah. on like dirt, right? Yeah. So sure enough, I got a floating girl going like this. <laughs> oh, this, classic, girl, this girl is bouncing like this. Uh, it could have looked more the real. truck made a bounce, she made a bounce. I couldn't handle it. I'm on the, on the truck going, I can't, I can't watch this man. I can't watch this because the whole thing's being exposed, you know. Well, but John, well. but John does, this. John does this. John goes like this, and he maintains his total professional magician composure, and which made it worse. Bouncing perfectly in synchronicity to the bus, everybody knows it's connected to the to the truck, and but he maintains that that total magic. And I went, he's doing it, man. He's doing Which, it. And you, it was so cool, man. You never skipped a beat. 
which leads us to our next point. (laughs) Which leads us to our next point that little did anybody know it was a comedy act and it was very Burt Wonderstone. I was Burt Wonderstone before Burt Wonderstone. That's how a lot of comedy magic acts start is as very serious magic acts that go terribly wrong. Oh, that's that's the story of my life right there. I'll never forget that moment because you maintained your magic, (laughs) your magician composure while this girl is bouncing all over the place. Hey, what's even what's even worse is I got my buddy Joey Pentel, and let's just say if I was six foot, Joey was like five foot maybe. So now he's now imagine this, right? So he's like he's like my assistant, right? And like he's literally like this. He doesn't know what to do because he's like, is this he gonna like crumble or what's going on? I forgot about that. Yeah, and now here I am like an idiot. It was it was so awesome. Oh my god! How about this one? Here's another good one. Here's another good one. So oh, I already know. I already know where you're going. He, I already know. He's working on his magic. He's working on his magic, and he's getting really good. And he goes, "Ken, come on upstairs. I want to show you the new routine I'm working on." I'm like, "Okay, man." So he's, he's he's been rehearsing his bedroom. So I go in the bedroom. He goes, "Okay, here we go." So he puts on this music, and he's got a scarf hanging down his neck. Beautiful, beautiful <laughs> scarf. And he starts doing a thing with candles. And I go, "Dude, and I mean, it's the most beautiful stuff. It's flawless." And it's beautiful. And you can't see any steels. It's gorgeous. And I'm starting to look at it and go, wait a second. This looks familiar, man. This is- <laughs> oh, my gosh. He's doing Why does John Lance- have a southern accent? <laughs> He's doing Lance Burton's act perfectly. I mean, as good as Lance ever. It was ridiculous. It was perfect. And I, I'm, I'm going, oh, my gosh. This is mind-blowing. He puts the- How old were you, John? Uh, like 13, 14. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. It was flawless. Well, it, I said, John, so, we gotta, uh, I go, John, we got to have, have a talk. And he goes, <laughs> we have a talk. I go, okay, there's this thing that you're not supposed to do in magic. You're not supposed to take some guy's act like verbatim. He had recorded it on VHS, remember? Yeah, it was bad. And you, you yeah. watched it over and over and over. And he got it, I mean, as perfect as you can. I said, you got to. You can't do this, man. You can't and I, I remember, I remember a moment going, but like people can take music, and I can sing somebody else's songs. Yeah. And Ken, and Ken goes, yeah, but yeah, it doesn't really work like that in magic. I mean, some yeah, people do it. Now, look, I'll never forget. He goes, I mean, some people do it, and like, okay, just John, take my advice. You don't want to be that guy. Just, just you don't. Right. Want to be that guy. I didn't and know I go, but- how to say it to him because he worked so hard on it. <laughs> and I said, John, it's cool, man, if you keep it like in the room or whatever, but. That's and so it's his act. It's his act. And then naturally, what I did is I instead of using a white scarf, I used a red one, and then it was my act. Right. <laughs> well, I was gonna say actually, you switched out the costume, so instead of being a southern gentleman, you are a uh, a member of a boy band. Yeah, that's, that's even worse. And what's even worse, <laughs> what you can't what, what you can't tell from that photo is that my my hair is shaved to the skin on the sides, and there's a ponytail in the back. It was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad. I was at that show. Wait, that was the uh, the the floating rope. So I was in eighth grade, and I and yeah, I said, I was it was, there. and I just remember, I, and we just said this. It was dead silent, and I thought I messed it up, and I, I just don't think people were expecting a, an eighth grader to go out and do no. I remember floating rose. And, if I want to do Kevin James floating rose, I go seriously, man. I mean, that's like seriously advanced. <laughs> this guy just went took it to the limit. Whatever trick he ever wanted to do it was, it was incredible, man. So I go, Ken, I'm doing this thing, and uh, look, I, I need to fill some time, and I'm kind of figuring this whole thing out. 
hey, you do that trick where you swallow needles and then you like thread them? Like, how do you do it? And he's like, I don't know if you should do that. And so now, hey, now this this is even better because now, Ken, at, at the time you're what, in your 30s, I guess? What yeah. was 20, yeah. 25 yeah. years ago? So now this yeah. is a 30-year-old grown man, right? That's that's That thinks it's a, a great idea to teach a 16-year-old how to swallow needles over the phone, right? So, so he, he teaches me this act over the phone. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So I did it for a long time. And then uh, I remember uh, for a lot of years, a lot of years. And uh, I never did it as good as you. Uh, and then I did I did this whatever walk around magic. Right. And then I remember I swallowed 10 and eight came up, six came up. And I was like, oh, and you just sell it like, you know, oh, those two are stuck together. There they are. There's 10. Right. Nobody knows. You toss it and move on. But then afterwards, I was like, what's how that? About that giant, how about that giant sub trunk your granddad built, man? Remember oh, that dude. thing? So my like grandpa, five, it could hold like five people in the sub trunk. Hey, so my grandpa, five people to do it in simultaneous. It was huge, but man, we knocked it out. Remember, we did it. We did that show oh. in Palm Springs. So my grandpa's not a magician, right? But he could build anything. And my grandpa is one of my favorite people in the world. And so he built this sub trunk, and I think Ken gave him the plans. And he's like, "Yeah, let's just see what you do." And like, it was, I mean, it looked amazing. Like it, it was, was unbelievable. Amazing. So we did that a few times, and oh gosh, I, I go back and look at those videos. What a disaster I was! But hey, no man, it was it was. I, I so went at it full speed. It was so cool because hanging out with John as a kid, he's taking it to a level that's insane. And I remember we got to rehearse this. We got to rehearse the sub trunk. Remember in uh, at the for the show, and the thing's huge, you know. But man, we got it down, and we yeah. and remember you had to we had to do the bolts and all that. Remember, it wasn't like a yeah. self-working thing. I'm trying to screw the thing and all that. But man, it worked, and I'll never forget those days. Man, they were amazing. Uh, well, one, think, of things, one of the things John mentions in his book that I thought was very uh, poignant was that John mentioned that you 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 came to him at a point in time in his life when he really needed you, uh, but that the relationship went both ways. That you helped. It did. Uh, it I, did. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I. I took it. You were going through a divorce. Was, no, no. I was, I, I was, I was struggling with a divorce, and was really, really having a tough time. And John came into my life, and we connected and got to be a part of each other's lives. That really allowed me to. Uh, I, I even think I shared it with you, John. Remember, I was told mm -hmm. you what was going on, mm -hmm. and John listened to me as this kid. Man, he listened. And he, we got connected and bonded, and he, uh, he helped me to, to, to get through that time that was really, really hard for me. Yeah, and and I wasn't was, expecting uh, that. Had no idea that was going to happen. And and hence, hence, the title of my book is called "Life Is Magic," and and that right there, that right there is is what that that title means. That's that to me is what the world's about right there. We we both transformed. Yeah. Not realizing that was going to happen. You know, you know I, I remember uh, not not to switch gears, but uh, within that relationship that we had, I, I remember I went into your into your store and I'll never forget. You looked at me. Uh, this is all I'm going to do. I'm going to give you your answer. And then I want to see if you can tell me what I told you. Okay. <laughs> and, and for all, everybody listening, this is not rehearsed. OK, so uh, here you go. I come in and this is Ken Sands. Wow. You figured it out. That's the secret. Oh yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes. Uh, oh my gosh. Wait, wait, wait. Now I for I, oh, I forget. I remember. I okay. remember. Because didn't you made a mistake or something, right? Or yeah. uh, the trick didn't. Oh, you no, you described something to me. 
something that happened to you. And I said, you now are a magician. You know the secret. So so basically what happened is I messed and, up, but I didn't I, let the audience I didn't let the audience know. No, he just kept going and he and he created a magical moment from a point that was not supposed to happen. Yeah. And and, 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 said, and uh, congratulations, John. You're now you're now part of the you're now a magician. You've come okay. now you're in. Harrison, I'm gonna we're gonna mock the situation that happened to me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know this, but for right now, just say just think of the Queen of Hearts for me, okay? Just that's sure. the answer. Hey Harrison, I just want you to think of any cards you want. Boom, the card you think of is the bam, seven of hearts. Thank you, thank you. And you're like, <laughs> no, it was the wait, what was it? It was the Queen of Hearts, and you've ruined my bar mitzvah. What? Yeah. <laughs> and so I'll never forget. Now, keep in mind, I'm like 14, 15 or something like that. I go, oh. And I go, wait a minute. And now everybody thinks I messed up. So now it's let's feel bad for the kid gag. And I'll never forget. This is in my show to this day. This is my out. If you ever see me perform and I do this, it's because I messed up and I'm getting out of it. I go, well, clearly. <laughs> I go, obviously, it's I, I can't find it because, wait, I got one card stuck in my butt. There it is right there. It's your queen. Hey, right. And everybody thought that that was the trick. And so yeah. I realized if they don't know where the trick is going, yeah. just keep steering them. And if, if you miss a paddle or if something happens, right, it's like water. Just flow them in a direction. And the more – and I realized this. At that moment, I remember telling Ken, I want to learn every out. I want to learn palms, this, that. I want to be able to get in and out of every situation so that it's not necessarily learning a trick, A, B, C, and plot. It's how can I learn a ton of moves to just improv with the crowd and just see where it takes me, but I can get in and out of situations. <clears throat> That's yeah, I, I'll never forget that. I said, now you know the secret, man. That yeah. it's not about the trick. It's about the relationship. That's it. That's, it. That's a beautiful thing. And I, I love that you guys still have a relationship to this day. And if you want to uh, support Ken's shop, and I, I, I encourage you to do so highly um facebook.com slash magic it's uh there's there's not a typo it is g-l-a-o-r-e and more that's what you have to type in uh and you can the shop is is open um you can uh order stuff so please support ken and the shop ken thank you so much for joining us and, and can, I just say, can i just say one magic word yeah. before i go of yeah. course john's good john's gonna get this dr dropos <laughs> dr. Dropos. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'll tell you that story in a second. But oh, I want to say this. Ken, hang on. Ken, Ken yeah. just acquired it. You just acquired a big collection that you're going to be that you're going to be selling. So go to his I website. I, I, don't just know. Estate, I just got an estate about five about 800 DVDs, 500 books, about 800 yeah. tricks. I'm going to be doing a big sale, uh, a big discount sale with a beautiful magic, about 40, yeah. 50 grand worth of stuff. So yeah. They want to they want to get involved. I can I can I can send him a list. Oh, of all I'm, just, stuff. I'm just incoming news. Uh, Copperfield just bought it. I'm so, <laughs> it's too late. If you know, <laughs> we all love DC. Thanks, guys. Uh, John, I love you. I love, hey, I love you, Ken. All right, Ken. Thank you, thank you so much, man. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Take care. Bye. I love it. So, Doctor Dropo was a balloon animal guy, and he does a he does a fish. It was a book. With a medical like, degree. Oh, who knows? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But he made this fish that was just like so easy and basic. And he'd go, wah, 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 right? And his name was Dr. Dropo. So like anytime I would do a gig or Ken and I would do like a walk around or corporate gig, we'd be like, hey, should we really do this or should we Dr. Dropo this thing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's awesome. And uh, let, now let's uh, change change tracks for a second because you, uh, you graduate high school, you go to college, you're playing football, you get drafted to the NFL. 
Um, I I know nothing about sports, so I had to look up. I, I now know what a snapper does. Um, yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. For those other magicians watching, what 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 does he do? Okay, so I didn't send you this, so I'm going to cut to this. Uh, can you guys see that right there? Here we go. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. So I was that guy right there. And it was my job to look between my legs and snap a ball to that guy. And if you do this right, I look between my legs, I throw it to him. He catches it and the guy kicks it. Uh, and believe it or not, that, that was my full-time job. I played like 10, 12 plays a game. <laughs> you, you got zero room for air. And here's what's cool. And, and again, somebody pointed this out to me. The, the job I love to do in sports involve repetition and just doing the same thing over and over and over in search of the perfect rep, which that's what long snapping is. You're, you're kind of like a sniper. doesn't matter the weather. There's no excuses. Get it to him. He's got to kick it. And sure enough, that's all the moves in magic, right? Every move we learn is just doing the same thing over and over. And whether we find the perfect rep or not, it's the journey of getting there. And, and that's, that's what I loved about my position. Yeah. And at the, uh, as I joke in my act, I, I tried to be in football and I went up to the coach and I said, when are the football auditions? He said, get out of the gym. I was like, I love your costume. Like, yeah. rehearsal. It's like pirates and pants ants all over again with those tight pants. <laughs> That's right. Hey, um, so, uh, oh, yeah. Whoa. Is that an action figure? Right. Yeah. So so when you are in the NFL and, and you make it to the Hall of Fame, uh, you get what's called a McFarland figure made of you. These are super expensive. Now, before everybody goes crazy, and I was super excited to get this. Uh, a fan, uh, this is not me, a fan actually took Kevin Mawai, who this this figurine, sanded it down and then hand-painted it to be me and said, hey, John, I just made you your own McFarlane figure. But this is actually Kevin Mawai, but when people come over, they go, dude, you got a McFarlane figure? And I'm like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> so yeah, just when you thought I was, you know, just when I thought I was cool, just, you know. You could also take my, uh, my pin and just say they're John Durenboff pins. I think they would work pretty well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that'll work. That'll that would work. work. There it is. Pretty good. Oh, oh my gosh, those, those are amazing. Yeah, I give, I give. When people come to my show, they get a little head. That's what they they get. Uh, <laughs> I love getting, you know, a little. Just if I could get a little head after a show, I'd, I'd love that. You know. Just, yeah, I, I'm happy to hook you up. You can get a little head from me whenever you want. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, one of the things that's extraordinary about your story is that you're playing for the NFL. Um, for those who don't know how AGT works, the first two rounds film way before the show starts airing back in March. So football hasn't happened yet. You go out to uh, California, you get the golden buzzer on the second round, and you realize the live rounds are during the season. Uh, you come back having not told the Eagles that you uh, auditioned for America's Got Talent, probably not expecting to go past that, those rounds. Uh, and then this is uh, from your book, and I think this is a beautiful thing. It just shows how strong your relationships were with everybody at the Eagles. But you say, uh, I'm bouncing up the steps to the Eagles training facility at the start of camp. I see four figures in the lobby. They were too small and too well-dressed to be players. As I got closer, it was what I feared. There was Jeffrey Laurie, the owner, team president, Don Smolin Smolinski, CFO Frank Emignani, and general manager Howie Roseman all waiting for me. They weren't pissed, though, about my AGT appearances. Get this, they were there to congratulate me. Why didn't you tell us, Jeffrey wanted to know. Uh, and you you basically, I, I, just to paraphrase, you're like, I'm ready to, to not do this. And they are like, no, you have to do this. We're totally behind you 100%. So what is that moment like where you realize the Eagles uh, have your back entirely on this? Well, it was the most beautiful dig that I've ever had in my athletic career. Uh, a long snapper, I play 10 plays a game, right? So I'm not. it's not the most academically challenging 
And my practice, you know, my time that I actually practice in practice is pretty minimal. So Jeff Lurie looks at me and he says, well, let's face it, John. I mean, it's not like you're one of the athletes, like the quarterback or the receiver. I mean, if you miss a little time, does anybody really know? And I was like, this is actually perfect. You're right. And it was just that funny moment where he didn't mean to like basically say, yeah, you're not really an athlete. Like you could go, you know? Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was super cool. And the team had my back and um, I didn't know what to expect. And what's funny is when I got the gold buzzer, two things that happened, I was in the wing about to go on. And uh, I don't know if it airs in the order that you perform, right? They kind of cut that up. Well, the real performer that was before me was this gentleman from, I think, Japan. And uh, I'm telling you, there were birds everywhere. This guy started <laughs> flying, like wings came out. He started flying, disappeared midair, turned into a bird. And I look at I look at my wife and go, hey, uh, I, I got a pad of paper and a, and a marker. Like, I don't really know if I picked the right trick here. Like, this is going to be a disaster. And she's like, no, nah, you're good. You're good. So I ended up doing cardiograph, which I love. I got the gold buzzer. And if you watch the clip, I actually turn and just walk towards the back of the theater because in my mind, I said, holy, like I was thinking about potentially opting out after this because I don't know what the Eagles are going to say in training camp and all that. So it ended up working out beautifully. And I was able to not miss a day, not miss a practice, not miss a meeting and still compete and make it. Uh, I got third. So I made it to the last 20 seconds of the show. Um, and what's really cool is the finals, uh, the whole game, we played Sunday against Cleveland. It was our home opener. And I'll never forget, I'm like, don't get hurt, don't get hurt, don't get hurt, don't get hurt, right? Because I literally, when the game was over, I didn't even have time to go shake their hands. I sprinted, had a police escort to the uh, airport. Um, a friend of mine, thank you, uh, was very gracious enough to, to fly me on his plane because I had to get to L.A. And so they flew me private, or he did. And uh, I landed and performed on the finals of America's Got Talent. It was probably the most exciting time of my life. And then you took a red eye and flew right back, right? Yeah, so well, during during before the finals – so a couple days during the week, it was eight o'clock, go to training camp in Philly. I would go eight to five at five o'clock rush over. I'd board an American airlines flight that left at like six 15. I would land. And then I'd have like an hour and a half, two hours max to like do a B roll, do an interview, do a quick rehearsal. And then I would get back on the 1030 red eye to land in Philly at seven 15 to go right to the facility. And so I was kind of sleeping on plane rides there for a little while. And, uh, it was really cool because when I was a kid and I just we moved and I just opened this box. I wish I had it to show you. I wrote down something in, in a, a pad of paper and it says my and I'm 12 years old going through therapy. And it says my dream is to be the youngest magician ever. Dun, dun, dun. Well, you know what? Um, I'm going to I'm going to get choked up here because um, years went by and my sister framed that and she gave it to me for Christmas one year. And. Uh, it was uh, as I get older, you start realizing you know, sometimes we get caught up with giving these materialistic gifts, but sometimes one that just just hits you right in the heart. Right. That means more than anything. And so I, I saw this about a week ago. And here I was. I was playing in the NFL, the largest stage. The only two jobs I ever wanted was to play pro sports and be a magician. And I was playing in the NFL on prime time to get on a plane to go do magic and tell my life story in the finals of America's Got Talent on the largest stage in the world. I was doing both simultaneously. And to do that was by far the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. And, and I think the support of the Eagles was, was a huge part of that. Um, but I do want to get that from another perspective. He's the vice president of the Oh, no. Give it up for Greg. What's up, buddy? Hello. Hey. How are you? Oh, my God. He actually went. He flew to I, L.A. Um, I did. And, and we were on the same flight back after the finals. I lost. And now here's what's funny. So. On America's Got Talent, you got to sign this contract, right? And the, the contract is basically, hey, if you win or if you get first or second, 
you have to do the four day show in October in Vegas. Like you have to, otherwise it was a huge fine. So I, I remember telling AGT, Hey guys, okay. You guys, I haven't, I know I haven't signed it. You guys see the people in the front row right there. Okay. That's the president <laughs> and vice president CFO. They don't know about this. Okay. So they don't know that if, if I win, but here's the deal. If I do win and the confetti's flying, that's when we hit them with, Hey, I'm going to miss the week we play Dallas and we'll just figure it out. Right. <laughs> And yeah, so it totally makes sense to miss an NFL game to make twenty five hundred dollars. <laughs> I know, right? But well, well, it wasn't even so much they were willing to work with the schedule to maybe just go to the game and back. It was missing the four days of practice, which was going to be the issue. Yeah. But uh, uh, I'll, I'll tell you before before Frank, I don't who knows what you're going to say. Um, <laughs> I'll keep uh, it good. People. Well, by the people way, are, let me just bring everybody to that moment because yeah. Frank kindly uh, sent me a video. This is Frank. Uh, and John, all the night finals. This is you can sense the excitement. So here is the video of the finals. The Dolby Man AGT finals. What's amazing about Frank is Frank is in charge of the finances of the team, and yet only owns one shirt. I don't know if you guys. That's it. This is the short sleeve version. That was the long sleeve version, but yeah, absolutely. Hey, you know what? When something works, you don't got to get rid of it, right? Exactly. Uh, you know, people ask me all the time, what do I miss? And, uh, you know, the game, practice, all that. It, you miss people like Frank. And, and uh, fortunately for me, because I was a long snapper, I didn't have a lot of the meetings that a lot of the real athletes did. And so I would just wander the halls. Is the Mirandrously? Is that the word? What, what's that word? Mirandrously? Yeah. I like it. Yeah. What, what jock uses that word? This guy. Uh, and so I, you know, I became friends and, and like I would pop into Frank's office and just. Um, and so cause havoc in my office while he had uh, <laughs> havoc with uh, Frank, with Hunter Donnie Jones. Can you tell us about the tasty cakes? Yeah. You know, we were just talking about some funny stories. I said, you know, John used to, uh, we used to, so our uh, VP of security, his name was Dom DeSandro. And we had a little fun running joke. We used to, Smashed some tasty cakes on his desk. He was like kind of a neat freak. He didn't like any crumbs. So we kind of. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, Frank, you're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk code. Uh, okay. there, were two pictures, there were two pictures that Donnie and I hung up in his office, his new office. Can I can I talk about that? Or is that, mm, is, there, is there like a. Nah, I'm good with it. Okay. All right. So, so here's what happens. Sometimes the best gifts are those that have just been sitting in, in the wing for, I don't know, five years. And so what <laughs> happens is. Man, we have to set it up. So, so. So Dom, who's like our the best guy ever in the world. I mean, like John yeah. and Dom are probably two of the greatest people I ever met. But uh, like I said, Dom's a little bit of a germaphobe. So he likes to keep his desk really clean. Anytime you go, someone goes in his office, he wipes it down, you know, <laughs> keeps it going. So uh, John and Donnie, who was our punter at the time, decide when they are finished with sports, they would like to give Dom a gift. So I'll let you take it away. So what would that gift be? Okay. So now keep in mind, I'm in a, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in a building. I'm in, I'm in his office. So I look at Donnie and I just take off all my clothes and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, don't worry about it. So I sit Indian style, naked on Dom's desk facing away. So it's my back and you see like my butt crack and I'm naked, like in a, in like the, you know, the, the uh, Lion King pose. Yeah. I'm just like, you know, like meditating. So then Donnie goes, eh, what the heck? He takes all his clothes off and sits in his chair and like crosses his legs like this. Okay. We sit on this picture and the deal was Donnie, when you and I are both done playing, that's going to be Dom's Christmas present that year. Well, we ended up going Don, between Donnie and I, like another four or five years. Right. Yep. Just, just this last like year, we finally printed them out and Dom got a new office at the building and the, and the first two pictures hung 
where, where, me, where me and Donnie naked on his stuff in his old office. And he's like, <laughs> what is this? I eat tasty cakes off of that desk. I eat tasty cakes off of that desk. <laughs> Frank, were you renewing his contract just to delay uh, the time until that gift was given? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna. Oh, I wish I had that picture. I, I don't no, know. But, but I mean, you know, I wanted to say thank you for allowing me to join. I mean, look, uh, ha meeting John, you know, 2006 or whatever it was when he joined the Eagles, has been a gift to my life and and to the Eagles. Um, and actually, uh, there's that's actually a, a, a quick picture with a Rob Z, who I think is actually probably in the audience tonight. I love it. Um, I love it. But uh, you know, John has been so inspirational and just always willing to be there and help and. Uh, you know, has made me a better person. And, and, and honestly, one of the things that we love, uh, John is, a, uh, there's, there's John oh, and my kids. Man. Well, oh. that was a long time ago. They're, they're both, uh, my daughter's in, in college now. My son's in a uh, senior in high school. Uh, but, but John is, you know, uh, what he's meant to my family and to the city of Philadelphia and to the Eagles organization. I mean, John is, is a true Eagle. I mean, it, it's weird. We have, a, we have a really tight organization as John can probably explain. And, um, when people, when people, you know, we don't say they're part of the organization, we, they, they become eagles. Uh, and we really believe that. And John is the epitome of an eagle. And uh, I love him. He's the like greatest that. guy do ever. What a, great to see you, buddy. I, uh, I, I, I did find a picture in my uh -oh. It was labeled, uh, I needed to keep it forever. So what do I do? I send myself an email. And the email was titled Don Christmas Card. So uh, Harrison, with your permission, I would like to show everyone the picture as long as nothing can be blurred out, as long as it's you can see a little bit of a butt crack. Is that okay? That's okay. I think that's okay. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, that's funny. Not only that, but let me tell you, dude, I was ripped up. Right now, Harrison's going, Oh my gosh, was that appropriate? Was that no, this is an exclusive. I'm so glad that uh, who puts that has the butt crack exclusive. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know where you know, I never knew where this conversation was going, but hey. <laughs> Um, but every day with John was this was this was what it was like to be in the office every day with these guys and just have uh, some some great fun with great people and uh, it was it was amazing time. And I think I think if there's anything that I could say, especially if there's young magicians watching, um, which is a about, transition off of a photo of you're your right, yeah right right exactly. <laughs> if you if if, if you want to be successful, people ask me how did you do things simultaneously. You want to be great. I think the relationship that and the friendship that Frank and I have and had is it takes everyone. There's people up here, the quarterback, the receivers that make all the money. There's the long snapper. There's the executives, the marketing, the accounting, the finance. But the bottom line is if everyone are people, everyone feel, everyone wants to laugh, everybody wants to feel included, everybody wants their role to be important, and the reality is it is important. And so it's up to all of us to keep encouraging one another. And if you have stagehands or you work with union people, just realize that when you bring people together and you care about them and you give them confidence and you tell them, hey, thank you, you did a great job, that goes a long way because too many times we, we, we kind of nitpick and we complain, but the reality is um, you get a lot more done uh, with honey than you do vinegar. My buddy Tim told me that. So um, working with Frank and, and, and doing that, I just, I appreciate everything. And um, if you take that, treat your team with respect because uh, you know, treat them the way you want to be treated. That's right. Yeah. And before we let Frank go, I would love an explanation of what, what is that suit? Oh, it's so bad. This is go. Okay. Here's wing the ball. Wing ball. Okay. This is really hard to explain. I didn't know what this was. Okay. So I get to Philly and everybody's like, yo, you got to go to wing bowl. I'm like, what the heck is wing bowl? So at the time the Buffalo bills went to four straight super bowls and the Buffalo wing, the wild wing, right? The Buffalo, yeah, yeah, the chicken wing. 
And so there's a radio station, WIP in Philadelphia, that created the Wing Bowl. They're going to steal the thunder from Buffalo, and we're going to have the Super Bowl of wing eating. And so <laughs> it started off small, but it grew to where, like, and Frank, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, so now. 15,000 15, 20, at the arena for a wing eating <laughs> contest. And at you like 6 a.m. At 6 a.m. I think the city passed like a law temporarily that like you could start drinking at like 2 a.m. or something and tailgating and 20,000 people would show up the top eaters from around the world. The purse was huge. And like people had like you had like floats and, and the players were introduced. So what happens is they're John, you want to be the commissioner of wing bowl? I'm like, sounds awesome. Who's going to say no to that? And so I didn't know this, but like previous commissioners just showed up in their jeans and T-shirt and they waved. Well, every year I went, I got like this outrageous like you know, one color suit. I had an all white suit and I carried this big stick that had, yeah, there's the stick. It says commish. So I would have, a, I would have an all one color suit with a matching like big stick that said commission. I would just walk around and just, I mean, you don't do anything. You just, you're a figurehead, but it was hysterical, man. Google everybody at home, Google Philadelphia wing bowl. And you're going to be like, uh, there's no way to describe this to people. Yeah. Then they're like, why the hell did John go to that? But <laughs> it was awesome. Right. So, so here's something we, we had a coach named Chip Kelly. And uh, at the time, uh, I don't think any head coach had ever been to Wing Bowl, right? And so uh, Chip goes to Wing Bowl. And now I, I haven't met him, right? And so I, I will admit that I was of age. I was of legal age. And it might have been 730 in the morning. I might have had a few Coronas, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm walking around like an idiot in an all-white You're not the virus, I, I assume. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I had a, a, a Michelob Ultra skinny. Um so I'm in like this all white or yellow suit with a staff. And, uh, you know, I've, I had a few and uh, our, the security guy, Dom, that we were just talking about, he goes, uh, excuse me, Mr. Kelly. And he's like, yeah, um, that's your long snapper. That's a John Dornbus right there. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know? And so Chip, Chip walked up to me and goes, hey, kid, I think you and I are going to get along. I'm like, let's go, coach. <laughs> oh, that was funny, man. That's that funny. Is funny. Frank, thank man. you so much for joining us. And I, hey, I thank you, Harrison. I John, really love you. Good to see you, buddy. Keep That's it there. Thanks, Frank. Love you, man. All right, buddy. Oh, uh, thank you so Love much. It. Thank you. Uh, Frank, oh, it's amazing. Uh, and, and we're talking about you. You mentioned uh, talking about your team. Um, uh, there's you sort of have a magic team. Like, who are the people that you talk to that you work with on coming up with new effects and and things to to put in your show? Well, I, I saw him type in there. So obviously, Vinny uh, and Tom. Tom Rubino has been great. Mike Miller. I mean, there's a lot of guys. There's some people from Philly, and, and now I'm going to feel bad because if you got one in the queue and I don't mention his name, I'm going to feel so bad. Oh, no, you mentioned – who is the person you mentioned? I mentioned Mike and uh, and Vinny and Tom. There's Mike. There he is. There he is. Oh, he's got the Pro Bowl jersey, baby. I figured if you can do a hack and bring out cards out of your mouth, I'll be a hack fan. <laughs> and by the way, if you don't know Mike Miller, Mike Miller is one of my favorite people on the planet. He does uh, – what he does for magic does not often uh, get as recognized as it should be. But Mike is just one of the uh, people behind the scenes that uh, keep the magic alive. And uh, so I thank you personally. And I know John loves you as well. Um, I appreciate you having me on. My pleasure. I, I'd love to. Mike, tell us how you met John. Wow. <laughs> well, my the first time I heard about him is when he played in Buffalo and ESPN, because I'm a sports guy. I think I'm the only magician other than John that's in the sports. Hold on. Don't you have an Eagles tattoo? Yes. Yeah. He's not a sports guy. He's an he's a diehard Eagles. You have to show us the tattoo. Uh, <laughs> oh, there we go. All right. Yeah, but but anyway. Um <laughs> now show us your butt. John already did it. You have to do it, Mike. It's in his it's on his wall behind the palm trees. Yeah. <laughs> so 
uh, he just he was played for Buffalo, and ESPN did a, a story on this long snapper from Buffalo doing magic. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Uh, about a year or two later, our long snapper got hurt, and they signed John. And I'm like, oh, well, that same night he just signed, he came and yeah. did a, a radio show at this bar. So I Manny Browns. Yeah, Hold on. Manny Browns. It's called Manny Browns. Manny Browns, yeah. I picked up Bob Little and took him. Yeah, there's the jersey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I took Bob Little over with me just to get him out of the house. And uh John, I introduced myself to John, gave him a business card. And he, he's like, Do you know so and so? And I'm like, Yeah, I do this, this. And he thought I was bullshit. Excuse me. He thought I was lying. He thought I was lying. So uh the years went by and he was doing a show. He was putting a show together for the uh David Akers Kicks for Kids. Yeah. So everyone that he mentioned that I knew, I figured we, I said, you want to contact these guys? We contact Steven Bergazzi, Michael Finney, John Cash, Bob Sheets. I mean, everyone. We contact everyone. Uh, I don't have the photo, the picture here, but anyway. Oh, I have it. I have it up. (laughs) No, no, I had the big poster with everyone's Uh, signature on it. So the first year we did that. And then the second year we had John Cassidy, Michael Grasso, um, and Denny. We had Denny too. Denny Haney, Denny, God bless yeah. you. Denny Haney yeah. came out and performed as well. Yeah, so from that moment on, you know, I would I know what he likes. I know what kind of magic he looks for. So my job for him is to, since I see everything, find a trick that will be his. And I'll I'll find something, get tell, call him up, show him it. Sometimes he just says, order it, like the chalk. <laughs> hold on, hold on. First of all, first of all, this is how the conversation goes. Yeah, hello. Hey, Mike, what's going on? And then he goes, hey, John, I got something. Awesome. Buy it. He's like, do you want to know what it is? I don't care. Do you think it's good? He goes, I love it. All right, buy it. Well, it's this much money. Buy it. I'll call you. I'll take five of them. I'll take five. <laughs> yeah. Which Chalk is what board. we did. <laughs> I show it to him. I call, FaceTime him, and I said, this is just released here. So he goes, all right, I'll give me the guy. I'll give him my credit card number. He buys it. I'm, I'm videotaping, and I'm sending it to him. And then all of a sudden – I found out he ordered four more. The jumbo, no, four of the jumbo ones. Like, jumbo ones. You know, it's, it's, man, when, when Mike, what I love about Mike is he's probably seen my show more than anybody. I think I know, he I just. Card out of crack a lot, too. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> card from butt. Um, but it's great to have somebody in your team that just knows, right? Oh, man, there we are right there. Is that, oh, that's Greg Fruin. Greg Fruin. Um, Rick Merrill. And Rick, Rick Merrill. Yeah. yeah, it was really cool. I was so I was a huge Greg Fruin fan, and obviously when he was on World's Greatest Magic as a magician growing up, uh, his bird act. Obviously, we all saw it, loved it, and so Mike's like, "Hey, I'm friends with him," and I'm like, "What?" And Mike's a big Eagles fan, and so I've been able to meet so many people through Mike, and uh, you know, and again, to have somebody on your team that just knows, like, "Hey, John, I think you're going to get this," and uh, I think you might want to, you know, tweak it this way and this way, but I think, you know, I, I think this is going to work. Oh man, that's a hundred percent. And that's what happened with HET. I didn't know. I gave him yeah. the message in the bottle because I bought. We, oh we, yeah. And I didn't know he was going to do it on the show. And then I, after the second episode, I'm looking at it. I'm like, he goes, just watch. You'll see. You'll see the next. <laughs> and then he did it. I'm like, and he did a great job with it. I mean, it was perfect. Cool. I mean, give him an idea or you come up with something or you find something. He makes it his own. He makes it his own, which is very important. We, we, we try. We yeah. try. Yeah. Killer. I will tell you in 2018, I was watching the Patriots play the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Um, and I grew I, I went to school in Boston. So of the two teams, I was like, oh, Boston. Uh, but I will tell you, as soon as uh, 
I realized because Mike, I, I've been Mike's been a dear friend for so long. Then I was like, you know what? I want the Eagles to win because it'll mean so much to Mike. I literally was rooting for the Eagles just because I knew how much it would mean to Mike Miller. Okay, let me tell. Yeah, there it is. Let me tell you about. Uh, yeah, there, oh, there it is. Yeah. Um, on America's Got Talent, the finals, I flew out to LA to, to be with them and to watch it. Well, Frank, who uh, thanks to Rob, we got Frank to get on. Thank you I again, Frank, for being on. Uh, and I met Don Smolinski there. So we're all after the show. We're all in the bar at the uh, hotel. And he introduced me to Don Smolinski. And I said the stupidest thing to Don. Now, Don's, Don's the president of the Eagles, yeah. by the way. <laughs> and I turned around and said, very nice to meet you. I've been a season ticket fans. I've been a season ticket holder since 1980. I said, there's one thing I want to ask you. If I were to die and my wife calls you, she's probably going to ask to have a few of the players to uh, be uh, a pallbearer so they can let me down one last time. <laughs> oh, hey, now, meanwhile, I'm like, okay, uh, thanks for meeting him. All right, Don, have a good one. Yeah, I felt, <laughs> I don't know why I said it, but I felt bad. And now, then, hold on. Now, put yourself in Mike's shoes. You know that after he said it, he went like this. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but then, uh, yeah, yeah. After uh, the show was over, John took off. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, f I'm headed to the airport as well. So I get to the airport. I'm wearing this jersey. All of a sudden, I hear somebody yell, "Who's that?" And I hear and Frank, and Elise, and all are in the bar eating. So I sat down with them before we flew back home. And then he had the next day or so. Now, the, the moral of the story is if you can do something that sets you apart, you'll never be forgotten. And so now every time Don sees Mike, he goes, hmm, that's the guy that wants us to let him down one more time. Come hey, on over here, Mike. I <laughs> didn't have to anymore. No. I'm just kidding. I'm just Not kidding. At all. Yeah, so uh, the team was super cool, and uh, we got a yeah. Super Bowl ring in 18, and uh, it was pretty cool, man. Uh, yeah, and, and it was a player's ring, too. I know there's a story behind that because that's not just any ring. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know much about sports balls, but I know what I read – in this wonderful book, which you should buy a copy of, available at all great booksellers. Yeah, yeah, this is the fake one. <laughs> oh, that, that was pretty good, Mitch. Yeah, you know what? yeah. So, is that the yes. fake one, Mike, or did you switch rings? Is John currently holding a fake one? Oh, a fake one, yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, we we flashed this photo from Kids uh, Kids and Kicks, uh, which is a charity fundraiser. Kicks, yeah. um, the guy on the right who looks a little about uh, a little bit like the penguin. Um, he. Um, is a magician who's been on the show before with his son Nate. It's Stephen Bragazzi. Oh. And guess what? Why not? Here's Stephen Bragazzi, everybody. Oh, my favorite. Oh man, I I love this man, dude. I love everything about him. I love him. Yeah. He he I'm gonna tell you right now, not only as a person and just him as just a being, he does one of besides your which I won't say it on this show, Harrison, you your trick if you'd like. <laughs> What's that? You can say F you. <laughs> yeah, your F you trick, okay. Yeah. Uh Bargatze does a bit with a knife and a bag. And to this day, it is one of the, I know it's coming. And every time I see him perform, I'm like, will you just do it? Cause I just, it is the funniest thing ever. I won't give it away. I'll, I'll let Steve if he wants to, but uh, I love this man. Yeah. Uh, it's really funny. I will tell you, I've been on the, on this. I, I met John before Mike did. And uh, he was at the Titans and I real quick, a plug on this book. I thought I knew everything about John that there is to know, but man, the book was amazing. It had so much. I mean, if you think you read some article stuff, you should read the book. It's really amazing. I hate to, I hate to even plug him, but when I first met him, I didn't like him at all. Um, 
Uh, I was working for this guy called Garth Brooks. I don't know, you probably never heard of him either, Harrison. But, uh, and I, I was doing shows for him every year. And then all of a sudden I get that, get a call. They said, we don't, we got this other guy. And I go, what other guy is this possible? And they said, this Don Dornboss, he plays for the Titans. And so we're going to use him. And I go, oh my God, how much? I thought I was giving y'all a good deal. And, uh, how much How much is y'all paying him? He goes, oh, he's volunteering. <laughs> and then I promise you, I lost three shows that I was oh. doing. And every one of them said, we got John Darnboss. He's volunteering. He's doing and it for I, free. I go, well, this guy's making a half a million dollars on the side. This is my living. And I did not like John. That's why he's staying on Tennessee with short. Right? Yeah. That's right. I did all I could say, we got to trade this guy. <laughs> so you're the reason they cut me. That's what ended up happening. <laughs> and, and I actually, I met Steve and uh, my, the, my coach was Alan Lowry. And he's like, hey, you got to meet this guy, Bargatze. And, um, and then we met and just, uh, I love the guy. And everybody that knows him knows why. He's just, he's unbelievable. So. IBM president. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I got yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> I, I am now officially on the show. The IBM, so hopefully uh, the president supports it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Harris is great, but now everybody's going to go, you did the butt show where he showed the butt track? You were on that show? You, and, and I'm going to have to pay for that. Hey, hey, this is, this is, hey, this right here is when you know your career is just, it's just, <laughs> we're all, every one of us are just going like this rapidly. Right. And I'll tell you what, there's nobody else I'd rather be with than to go down with you three in a blaze of glory. Harris, uh, <laughs> um, you got a question for me? Yeah, you know, well, you've you known John uh, since the Tennessee days. You followed him the whole time. What have you noticed in his uh, evolving as a performer? Uh, you know what? I, I want to say, boy, he's gotten so much better. But you know what? He was that good when I first met him. He, he's always had that personality. And where he just get, gets everybody fired up. I mean, he can do ambitious card, and and everybody's cheering, going like, "This is the greatest thing ever!" And you want to go, you know, he's using a double backer. It's not that good, and uh, but <laughs> he makes it look so good and exciting. You think was impossible, and and so I, he was amazing the first time we met. Uh, he he really was. I, the funny story about the first time I met John is. Uh, He's going to do card in the shoe. Oh yeah. And I, so John gets, he's got a bunch of young people and he just, uh, and so I get to back up. I'm not, I'm not even part of it. I'm just watching him. And he gets these young people. He shuffles the card and he throws it. He throws the deck down and he gets them in. And he makes a huddle. So he's got them all leaned over. He's huddled over top of them with his arm around them. And I'm in the back and all of us. So he's apparently he's a guy. He's already palmed this card. And everybody's looking down. He bends his leg. I'm not lying. Can you still do it? He puts his whole leg up in the air. It was back then. It went a little closer to his butt. He was a little more flexible. But he literally put his leg up onto the butt and stuck the card in there. And I saw this. And in the meanwhile, at the same time, I have in my shoe uh, the... Golly, Mark Mason's the one with the little plastic elastic that she <laughs> that's in my shoe. John is doing it. I'm going, he's really doing it. He's going to get, I would get a cramp and it would be, oh, I was dying. I was going, he's helping this guy. It's, uh, yeah. And it, I, it blew me away. 
I, I remember I love the moment of them being able to untie my shoe, them taking it off, them reaching in, opening it. it's their signed card. You know, uh, you know, and it's part, it's guys like Mike and Steve that, you know, they 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 give you motivation. I, I love doing stuff that's super risky and it's very audience management and like you just go for it. And as long as you don't second guess it, you really you don't really get caught. Um, yeah. So, so I've, I've tried some risky stuff and I love it. Yeah. I'm yeah. Real quick and I'll be done, Harrison. I don't want to talk as much as uh, Mike Miller does. But, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> John's not intimidated by having good people on the show. He's easy to do a show with. He's obviously the star. I mean, those shows we did was in uh, Philly. So they, I mean, he was the hero there, but he built everybody up, made you feel great. He's yeah. not intimidated fun guy to work with. I would do a show with him anytime. It was awesome. Stephen, I wish we could say the same about you professionally. I just like you as a friend. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I knew that. <laughs> well, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, congrats. As uh, when, when does your, your term kick off as, as IBM president? 17 more days. Wow. <laughs> so I, can, I can still get impeached. There's time. <laughs> It sounds like you have a calendar and you're Xing out the days. Yes, I don't. Thank you so much for joining Harrison, we're proud of what you do for IBM. Thank you, Harrison. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you guys so much, seriously. And if you'd like to join the IBM, uh, of which 17 days, Stephen will be the president, just go to magician.org slash join the IBM slash join. That's all you got to do. Uh, Stephen Bergazzi, thank you so much. See you guys. Bye. Love you, buddy. Uh, and Mike, any uh, you've known John for so long, and you've seen him from um, from football to the magic megastar that he is now. Uh, any any other thoughts about watching him uh, grow into himself? Whenever he comes up with an idea, I get a video. Watch this. <laughs> and his tournery store card, he took that to the <laughs> next level. It's way up above and beyond. And well, hold on. Let me let, let me tell you how far he goes. What's your favorite trick, John? Your favorite mm -hmm. trick that you uh, did when you were a kid? Misled? Yeah, he bought 2,500 misleds. <laughs> well, hold on. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. It's, it's, that is true. Here's what happened. <laughs> they discontinued it, right? So now here I am doing this trick with this pencil that's like 15 years old. The thing's broken in my bag, so the pencil's like this long, which is just not, not that good of an effect with it. You know, I don't want the little guy. I want the big guy, right? And so it comes back out. And so Mike's like, hey, we can call them. And, you know, I go, Mike, I'll buy two or 3,000 of these things. I don't want them packaged. Like, I just, I want to know that for the rest of my life, if I'm alone and never performing again, I can perform this in a mirror and go back to when I was 12, 13 years old. Yep. I want to know that at any time I can go in that closet and there will be 2,000 pencils ready for me to do this effect. And, and if you set it up. Currently, twelve or thirteen-year-olds, and you're wondering why you can't buy. <laughs> now you know who to blame. Yeah, I, I did. I got a. I got. I got literally twenty-five hundred, and it's. <laughs> I like how it, 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 during the pandemic, people are sitting on like stockpiles of like bottled water, and you <laughs> open the closet and just misled comes out. <laughs> yeah. it's, always, it's always an experience with John. Uh, it was another one we were working in uh, Ocean City, Maryland. And a new French oh. line went up, and John's truck tore down—not tore down, but damaged the French fry machine well, on here, the walk in Ocean City. Well, here's the other thing too: is uh, you know, I do AGT, right? Okay, the season, and now I can sell some tickets. So let's do a show. 
And I'm like, I think I need something big. So I bought I bought a, a motorcycle production from uh, Mike Michaels, and it's amazing. It really is cool. It just it's too big for that venue, and like there's no doors to get it in, and like you know the 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 uh, the music, the pier, or whatever it is, the boardwalk can't handle the weight of the truck, and so we're like, nah, don't worry about that. Just back the truck up. The boardwalk collapsed. We'll just deal with it. So what? We take out a sign. Uh, sorry, guys. Uh, and it took us no joke. I mean, it took us. <laughs> it took us 17 hours to get that thing in the door and figure out. We had to take it all apart, put it back together for a one-hour show for 17 hours to pack that thing back up. But I'll tell you this right now, from my from my point of view, it was glorious. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, if uh, let's see if I can pull this up. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm going to try to do some. Uh, let's see if this is it. Oh, do you have a clip of it? Oh no, I do. No, have don't. Don't do it. And, and, and it was my wife. Now, my wife's six foot tall. So for all the magicians out there, just realize my wife's, she's six feet. You know what I mean? So just, you can just visualize what's going on there. And we had never done a trick together. And I thought it'd be cool to do one. And we kind of just. And she did great. She, oh, did. Was oh, she killed it. Yeah. Killed it. All right. I, I have I, I'm uh, uh, sorry for the, okay. uh, the quick technical bug. I just want to make sure that we, uh, we do justice to this clip. Uh, I don't want to just play it if it's. It's not going to be perfect. So here we go. This is the motorcycle appearance. Yeah, and you can uh, fast forward it to the appearance if you want. You don't have to do the whole thing. It's, it's oh, a quick project. Yeah, perfect. So now, now keep now also keep in mind that this venue is not used to like big props and magicians. It's like a kind of a music place, you know. So there's no there's no door. There's no loading docks and um, but uh, uh, this was so cool. And this was like my first big illusion, right? So I just. I probably thought I was so much cooler than I was, but I'll tell you what, my wife, man, she's never been sexier than right there. Come on, baby. You know, we pulled it off. And I remember jumping up there thinking to myself, holy cow, it worked. <laughs> it worked. We didn't do it after that. Yeah, that thing was tough to carry around. That's a great, it's a great illusion. Very closely, you can, uh, you can hear Mike say cue lights because uh, he's doing it from the sound booth. Yeah, I hear Mike's direction as the trick is happening in real time. Yeah. Good That's times, man. Fun. I can't wait to get back to doing them again. You and me both. Yeah. 100%. Mike, uh, thank you so much. You're one of my favorite people in magic. Thank I know you so much, John. Thank Good you so much for you, everything man. you do, and thank you for joining us on the show. All right. Yeah, and for having thanks, me. Mike. And, and for all the magicians out there, if you ever run into Mike anywhere, say hi. And uh, he's just, you're a great dude, man. You're a great dude. Hey, I'm there for you. You know that. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Love you, Mike. Mwah. Take care. Thank you. Uh, and we are. Uh, oh, we took. <laughs> we hey, took Harrison. Out instead of Mike. Um, that's hey, Harrison. No, and that's totally fine. Harrison, I, I got a question. Can we do this show every day so I just feel better about myself? Like, can we do it at like like nine o'clock in the morning, where I just you know give me a good 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 launch and a good starting place just to start my day off? Like, this is great. I would probably collapse from exhaustion by the third episode, uh, but I will be happy to try. Um, we are getting towards the end of the show, by the way. Um, but if you have a question for John, now is your time to pop those over, over into the comments. Uh, I'm going to ask him a question or two now while you do that. Uh, but make sure you pop them into the comments. Those are um, on my right side. But if you're watching on Facebook or on YouTube, uh, any of the platforms you're watching, I can see your questions. I also know on Instagram, we have people watching as far away as Paris, uh, Perth, Australia. So people literally all from around the world. Um, uh, Emily Murtaugh, who is my girlfriend, saying every day show, please. It's too happy. Uh, John Accardo from Los Angeles saying, I would definitely listen to a daily show with Harrison and John. This could be the launch of a podcast. We'll find out. Um, 
we, we just started something. Uh, I love this. I'm into it. I'm into it. You know, it's even for all the people back home, Harrison is a genius writer. So this is great. I show you. <laughs> I love it. And also one of the things I've noticed, um, I did some research uh, trying to find some stuff from a while ago, 2011. So this is way before HET. There is a non-bearded John Darambos on the cover of MUM. Yeah. And it turns out, by the way, that you love making a mess with cards. That is a, uh, there is the 2011 mum cover <laughs> and the uh, 2019 Life is Magic cover available where all books are sold. Yeah. Uh, and they never, you, they never show the other picture. That's why I have, I have a similar picture. <laughs> but I always make sure to include that picture. That is- Oh, there you go. There is the uh, cleanup afterwards photo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but the reason I bring up uh, this to this, a lot happened between 2011 and 2019. Uh, what does John Deramos in 2011 not know? Um, and uh, is there anything that you wish he did know? Or uh, do you think he knew everything he needed to to become 2019, 2020 John Deramos? No, and, and, and not knowing is how you become. And I think, I think the, the, the beauty of growing up is realizing you don't know what you don't know. And, and be okay. So one thing that the sports world has taught me, one thing about being in the NFL has taught me is, you know, the process, the discipline, dedication, pushing yourself through limits that you don't think you have, how to deal with pressure, not letting the, not letting the, the situation be bigger than the moment. Um, enjoy every moment, right? Enjoy every person you get to meet. Tom Hanks did a, uh, Tom Hanks did a speech. He won an award for being the greatest everything. I, I love Tom Hanks. And, and he basically said, shame on us if we don't steal something from everybody we work with. Shame on us if there's not somebody that's really good at what they do, right? Just steal that little bit of greatness and continue it on. Be on time, right? It, it, it's it's literally that applies to hotels as well. That's why I have a giant drawer of pens. What's that? Uh, that that advice applies to hotels as well. That's why I have where all my yes. pens. From. Yes, and the Bible you know, too. Don't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but 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 realize that life is is a learning curve, and and life is about failing over and over and over again, but not getting discouraged. It's resiliency, it's it's the ability, this is, okay, here you go. From 2011 to 2019, here's what I learned. It's gonna happen. Life's gonna take something, it's gonna throw it in the fan, it's gonna go everywhere. And it's how you how you do it. And, and now we can make a decision right here. We can use emotion and find bitterness and hate and resentment and excuses. Or how I define resiliency is we can take that emotion and we can harness it and we can find motivation in everything bad that happens. If you can take something bad and realize that, hey, this is happening to me, no matter how bad it is, I'm not alone. And you can say to yourself, you can close your eyes, you can tell yourself the narrative, and you can find one little positive thing in every bad situation and find motivation and distraction, then the next thing you know, you're unstoppable and you're resilient and you keep coming back. I don't care how hard we get hit. I don't care how hard we fall. Stand up. Get back up. I don't care how many times you, you mess up a move in magic. I don't care how many times you fail trying to create an idea. Keep going back to the drawing board because it is that right there. It's the failure and the perseverance within the failure that's going to build you a characteristic that is going to make you successful. It's going to make you resilient and it's going to make you everything in this life that you want to be. That is uh, incredible. Uh, right? that, those are very wise and and uh, strong words. Um, there's a very non-serious question in the comments. <laughs> um, the, the first question that I see is, will John ever become an officer in the IBM? Well, I guess Bargatze's the new president, so uh, make it happen. You know what I mean? I, well, it, <laughs> hey, Steve, come on, call me. I'll do whatever, man. I love it. That's fair. And also, I know you've been on Ellen a lot, but Ellen looks very different in this photo. So you can just explain why Ellen looks. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Oh man. So, uh, that was our photographer. She said, Hey, will you guys leave the room? I want to do a, a little photo shoot with your baby, but I'm not going to show you. And so she surprised me with that. And that was when my daughter was about two weeks old and it's a whole process to get her to do that. Um, but yeah, what a, what a cool picture. So I, I had my little girl, uh, it was by far the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, for those of you that, uh, just to kind of go a little serious here, for those of you that know my story and you heard it at the beginning, there are three words I never said out loud. And those words were, I forgive you. And so, uh, literally weeks before my daughter was born, I realized it was time for me to go see my dad. And I hadn't seen him in 27 years. He'd been, he'd been out of prison for quite a while. Uh, and instead of having hate and resentment and anger, I went and sat with him for five and a half hours. And I stood up and I said, I forgive you for being lost. And I forgive you for making a mistake because I wanted to practice what I, I thought I believed in. And that is find motivation and defeat. And I realized that forgiving him and looking at him in the eyes and, and reliving all the pain and the suffering, reliving the relationship we should have had, what we could have had, reliving not having a dad and, and, and the trust and all this stuff. I can now become everything I didn't have. I can either become what happened to me in the past and, and recreate it and be miserable and let that be an excuse, or I can fix it and become everything I didn't have and use my dad as a roadmap of what not to do to be the best husband and the best dad I can ever have. And so something that I want to share before I get cut off, um, I went and had lunch with my dad and it was the most emotional thing I've ever done. It was the best thing I ever did. It was uh, me just being, just finding motivation to just be so excited to be a dad. And in my book, if you guys decide to get it uh, in the acknowledgements, um, I want to read this. It's the, the very beginning. It says, uh, for Annalise, who turned my heart right side up and Amaya, who will always be able to have lunch with her daddy. And me having lunch with my dad is something I never got to do. And I would watch my friends go to lunch with their dads. And um, I sat at the table with my dad and I looked at him and I asked myself, who are you? And I realized that that's what it's going to be. Amaya, you'll forever be able to have lunch with your daddy. And that means that I'm going to be there forever. I'm going to do everything I can just to love you and support you. And uh, whenever you need me, I, I will be there. And you will never look at me like I looked at my dad and say, who are you? And hopefully never have to have a lunch in a place called the Safari Zone. Yeah, ever again. <laughs> Yeah, ever. You're almost in your own safari. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's an incredible way, I think, to end the show. That uh, I can't think of a more powerful way to end the show or to end this book. Spoiler, Life is Magic by John Derenbos. Uh, Pick it up. You can order it from Amazon. I got it in uh, like a day or two. So definitely order this. It's fantastic. Uh, give it to your kids. There's a hidden magic trick if you want in the book so you can do stuff with it. Um, but John, uh, we always ask our, our guests the final question is uh, advice to young performers. And I know you've already given a bunch of great advice mm -hmm. to young performers, but if there's any other advice for the young entertainers and magicians who are watching right now, members of the IBM thinking about joining the IBM, what would be your final piece of advice to them tonight? All right. And I got this from, from listening to Steve Martin and it's, it's brilliant. So this is going to be Steve Martin meets Garth Brooks. <laughs> love, love, love what you do and have passion doing it and make it you like make what you're doing. Like if people see you perform and they didn't know who it was, they could be like, ah, oh, that's Harrison, because that is just everything about that is his soul and his passion. And then and then worry about this. Just worry about being good. Worry about being good. Don't worry about the don't worry about the BS. Don't worry about the performing. Just worry about being true to who you are and worry about being good. And then when they call your number and it's your turn to perform, guess what? The pressure's not going to be there because you're so prepared, because you just worried about being good. The rest will take care of itself. That's amazing. John, uh, perfect advice. Thank you so much for being such an amazing guest. I really, really appreciate you taking the time uh, to be on the show. I uh, hope to talk to you soon, man. Uh, stay safe, stay well, 
and uh, enjoy some time with your family. Thank you so much. I love it. I'm a big fan, man. You do great stuff. Thank you. Mwah, right back at you. John Derenbos, everybody. John Derenbos, make sure you follow him at John Derenbos on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and a huge thank you to all of the uh, surprise guests that we had. We had Ken Sands. Make sure you check out his magic store. It's facebook.com slash magic, G-L-A-O-R-E. So almost galore and more. Uh, make sure you check that out. Um, we had Mike Miller, uh, the fabulous Mike Miller, Stephen Bergazzi in 17 Days, the president of the International Brotherhood of Magicians, and Frank, give me any, the VP of the Philadelphia Eagles. You can follow the Eagles at Eagles on Twitter, at Philadelphia Eagles, and I know they need the extra followers from a magic uh, live stream. I'm sure that's very helpful to them. So at Eagles, at Philadelphia Eagles. This show is every Wednesday uh, at 7 p.m. If you're on the East Coast, 4 p.m. If you're on the West Coast, it's available as a podcast. So you'll be able to download this episode and every other episode as a podcast. Uh, you just go to whobooksthat.com for more info. There's the Lance Burden Teen Seminar, July 7th and 8th, if you're a young magician, as well as Tannis Magic Camp from the 13th to the 17th. You could sign up. All that information is below. And of course, you can join the IBM magician.org slash join dash the dash IBM slash join. A huge thanks to Alexander, uh, the president of the IBM, uh, for 17 more days. He's done an incredible, incredible job during an insane time uh, in magic and in this country. Um, so a huge, huge thanks to Alex. Um, uh, I owe him a huge debt in the creation of this show and all he's done for all the magicians um, during his tenure as president. A huge thanks to everybody at the IBM who makes this show happen. Huge thanks to Emily, my girlfriend, who does the graphics and uh, uh, stays in the bedroom while I do this because uh, I live in a studio apartment. So I appreciate that very much. You can follow me on social media at Harrison Comedy. We have another great episode coming to you next Wednesday at the same time, every Wednesday, 7 p.m. at 4 p.m., that has been Who Books That. This has been uh, the John Darrenbos episode. A huge thanks to John Darrenbos, an incredible inspiration, an incredible magician, uh, person, and performer. Uh, thank you so much for watching, and we will see you here next week. Good night, everybody. Who Books That with Harrison Greenbaum. I'm singing a song. It's singing the song. It's the theme song. <laughs>